Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Okay, so Radio B-Side Session, I'm here with Surprise Chef. Uh, who have I got from the members of the band? I'm Stucky. I'm Jethro. Jethro and Stucky. Are you like the core member of the bands? Uh, 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 no. Uh, okay, so I always have, I think, similar questions when it's come to people that make instrumental music. What? How do you say be the best way to describe the processing of writing the music? Because, you know, back in the days, you need to write, like, lyrics and melodies, and then you come to a producer. I'm very curious, like, is that all of you together within a room jamming? Like, you want to tell us a little bit about the music process writing? I think the process of writing instrumental music doesn't necessarily differ from writing vocal music uh, in the sense that I think we usually start with... uh, let's say, an idea for a song, a concept for a song, an idea of how the, what the shape of the song will be, um, what kind of moods or feelings we want to evoke in the piece of music. Usually that happens first and then the minutiae of the music and the arrangement is put together as a band. There's a lot of uh, arrangement that happens in, in, in the studio or in the rehearsal room at home uh a lot of tweaks get made you know we we're fortunate enough to have a band that wants to play together every week you know not everybody has the luxury of being able to play you know all the time together but we do so often arrangements come together you know bit by bit over a process of weeks i I would say how many are you in the band all together there's five of us five five so we got Bass, drums, guitar, guitar, keyboards, keyboards, percussion. percussion. Okay. So you would say that uh, if you all gather together, is it start with a groove and then a bass line or not necessarily? Not necessarily. It it varies varies quite a lot song to song. there's, There's certainly songs we've written that have been like written out of jams in the room or quite spontaneous. Um, otherwise, an idea is brought forward and we arrange it as a band. Some Sometimes someone will bring in a fully formed idea and we'll just um, get, get that done. <laughs> yeah. Okay, brilliant. So my other question was, uh, actually, I've seen your jumper and that's something that came... <laughs> into my mind which is the college of knowledge so is that the same are you part of the label or the 
owner of the label because I think for the rest of Europe, uh, it came across from Mr. Bongo, if I'm not mistaken. So tell us a little bit about the label because I feel like it's a kind of a nice drive coming out from Australia, uh, Let Your Hair Down, which is a band that I really like. And I'm pretty sure I heard about you guys first from College of Knowledge from Bandcamp because I'm just a digger. But tell me a little bit about that. Like, what's the concept behind the label? How much you got involved? Uh, Jethro and I started College of Knowledge Records in about 2017. And at the time, we'd started writing instrumental music. And we wanted to start a label as a vessel to release that music. There's a lot of great music happening in Melbourne and a lot of great labels releasing that music but not a lot particularly concerned with the kind of music that we were wanting to be producing. So we started the label as a vessel first and foremost to release the music that we were making which began with Surprise Chef but quickly grew to become a structure to release some music made by other people in our community with similar values, similar musical ideas So bands like Let Your Hair Down, as you mentioned, uh, Karate Boogaloo is another one, The Proteins, um, and so on and so forth. So when we did the first Surprise Chef album, All News Is Good News, we released it on College of Knowledge Records. And shortly after that, Mr. Bongo heard about the record and wanted to reissue it, which is, you know, kind of funny because they are... a big part of what they do is reissuing old records and that's how we know their label and we were connected to what they do through buying their reissues and they technically reissued our record even though they reissued about six months after it had initially been released but as you said Mr Bongo did a great job of bringing our music to Europe and the rest of the world we had never intended uh, such a such a broad market to be interested in what we do you know college of knowledge was just a way for us to get our records in the local stores in melbourne i actually love that because it's make it something that you start purely from passion and i think there's also something about your band which you are all five guys sitting jamming together as good friends as good musicians because that's how it feels about you know like it's have that very cinematic uh, soundtrack vibe into it and I think it's important to have somebody like you know creating that kind of a label in Australia in Melbourne because I'm not quite sure there's a lot of bands that doing that in that part of the world like and be able to transfer it across the ocean even though we're living in this age of the internet but Pressing records, sending it abroad is much more expensive to send from Australia rather than if you have a distributor in the UK. So I guess it was a big, big thing for you. Uh, a question you probably get a lot is like the name of the band. What? Where is the chef? What? What's happening behind that? Is that like, I want to know a little bit more about that. Do, do you want to take this one? I don't want to... We've got to give the diplomatic legal answer on this one. We can't uh, reveal exactly what the name is about, but what we can say is it is referential of an important piece of Australian culture from our childhood. Oh. I did not see that one coming. (laughs) 
I was like, you know, you're probably jamming every week and somebody got to make food. Who is the surprise chef for this week or something like that? Okay, that's interesting. Uh, so how long has been your tour now? Been UK, uh, Europe? You said you're going to the US. Tell us a little bit, a bit more about that. Yeah, we we kicked off about two and a half weeks ago, almost three weeks ago in Sweden. Um, I did, did a few shows there and slowly made our way down through Denmark, Germany, uh, Holland, Belgium, and France. Um, now we're back in the UK. It's, it's lovely to be back. And yeah, as you said, we, we head to America in three days. To It's another three weeks yeah. in America. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a long time to be away. Yes. You know, like you, you look a bit, a bit tired, but it's like you're halfway there. Uh, okay, so, but the, the next stop, I mean, personally, I think UK crowd is probably the best crowd you're going to play for. Is that correct? <laughs> well, to be fair, the UK has always really supported us and we've always felt that we've got people over here, to put it that way. Uh, when we played in London last year, we played at the Jazz Cafe, and it was our first show in England, and it was our first headline show in Europe, and we really didn't know what to expect. We knew there were definitely people here that liked us, but you know that show sold out, and the amount of love we felt from the crowd was truly mind-boggling. Like It was just far beyond any expectation we could have had for how people would react to us being over there. And, you know, we're at the venue before the show right now. We're at the Village Underground. And, you know, we'll see if the people still care. I'm sure it's going to be rammed here. I've been looking so long to see you guys. I think there was one chance that you were here as a DJ set and then that got delayed or cancelled. And the last time when you played, I couldn't even come. I think I had another gig, but I missed you. And I, I'm kind of happy that I managed to grab a quick interview be backstage before. Uh, I wanted to speak about the the way that you've been actually releasing stuff. You keep it really fresh. Like every year, there's an album, an EP, 7-inch, uh, different collaborations as well. Like It feels like you're constantly on it. It's that a part of uh, how should I say, like an agenda of saying like, okay, we got to release every year. Is that something that uh, you you feel like you already have like another two album ready as we speak, probably? <laughs> well, I think, you know, first of all, it's never really been an agenda to release a lot of music per se. It's just that we like to make a lot of music and recording's always been the most important thing for this band, writing music and recording. And it puts us in the fortunate position where we have music to release. So we were fortunate enough in COVID, when COVID happened, that we'd already finished two albums before that all happened. So we were able to keep releasing music just because we kind of had it sitting there because we were just making records because we wanted to. Uh, now that we've started touring, it does have an impact on that because touring and playing gigs is extremely fatiguing and extremely demanding and to take time away you know from our lives to come over here is such a blessing and such an incredible thing but it definitely has a real impact on how much 
we can get into the studio because you know we kind of we're rehearsing for tour and then we go on tour and then we get back and everyone's kind of got to sleep and see their family and do stuff like that and then it's kind of time for the next tour and that's just something we're kind of trying to navigate at the moment being able to balance going on tour and playing shows because it's a wonderful thing to do and we love doing it uh, but also staying connected to that really crucial part of why we are a band which is recording and making records okay do you use a lot of like retro sound and do you do a lot of sort of equipment certain equipment that you like to use for to create that sound or you actually record everything to a computer and send it to a processor like how is the music process for that oh I've been guided to you <laughs> um, well we we have a, a big thank you to to send out to Henry Jenkins who who records and mixes all our music um, it's uh, thus far no computers have been used a lot of it's to tape and that's just I think more so process driven we like the limitation that you know only having eight tracks on the tape has and the decision making you have to do in the studio you, you kind of have to collectively decide whether the take is good or not and if it's not then we go over it and that's it's a big thing to do and I think that has a big impact on the feeling of the music um, and yeah in terms of like instruments and stuff we just have a house full of vintage instruments we love it it's um it's fun they always break down it's <laughs> it's a good vibe nice. so, so there's not so many like punch in takes you know is is most of the stuff is like one one take it's really cool that's like i don't i think more and more bands are going to that direction like trying to create that authentic uh, retro warmer sound uh tell us a little bit about your collaboration now with big crown records is your u.s distribution label it's uh, I, i think it's kind of a big deal no after mr bongo like the next thing Yeah, Big Crown's a label that's um, always been really crucial to the influence of what we do. And even further than the Big Crown label themselves, that entire community and movement in music that's been happening in New York, you know, since the late 90s, early 2000s, it's always been uh, a point of reference for us. And further than that, it's been a, a kind of like a case study or a proof of concept to the point that you can make fresh music that harks back to some really cool music that got made decades ago but doesn't feel corny and doesn't feel redundant. I think there's a lot of music that can be described as revivalistic but often that music is just kind of dull and kind of cheesy and you know it feels a little bit you know like a costume party like dress-ups musical dress-ups and the music that's been made by that crew Leon Michaels and um, all the people in that community like I said it's kind of a proof of concept that you can take the cool parts of that music and incorporate it respectfully into something that's fresh um, Big Crown actually started 
uh, right around the time that Surprise Chef started when it moved on from Truth and Soul to Big Crown. Um, they actually put out their first 45, which was the L. Michaels Affair, uh, Snakes. And um, we heard that. And Jethro and I have been making music together for years. And we've all been playing together in different bands for years since we met in uni about 10 years ago. But when that record came out, it was really like, you know what, man, we should really be making instrumental music. Like, this is what really speaks to us. And this is what, you know, it was just a record that really inspired us to, to get in the studio and start making our own records. And um, so, yeah, when Big Crown hit us up, you know, just over a year ago, saying they liked the records and they wanted to talk about making music together and putting out records together, then it was just a no-brainer. Amazing. So they they do like US only or with also worldwide? Worldwide, baby. Worldwide, baby. Uh, would you th say that, because, uh, sorry, let me rephrase that, even though I didn't ask the question. <laughs> In Australia these days, like this kind of a bit of a sound that comes out, you know, like bean glass as well, I think. Uh, they, they're not with you guys but with a different Australian uh, label Gloss Beams yeah yeah they're, they're great did like an EP with four tracks and somehow it can re remind me of your vibe and College of Knowledge is that the same crew friends I'm you know I'm a bit clueless when it's come to Australia land <laughs> but here like for example in the UK there's a very supportive scene you know like we know Most of the labels know each other and DJs and producers. Somehow you always meet up in the same hang. So is it the same thing in Australia? Yeah, for sure. I mean, our experience in Melbourne definitely reflects that. It's, uh, you know, what we do is, is a niche and Australia is relatively small in population and so the niche is particularly small. So... Our experience has been if you play funky music of any variety, you you kind of know everybody. You know, whether you're making, you know, jazz music or reggae or funk or neo-soul or what have you, you're probably going to rub shoulders. So, yeah, Glassbeam's are great people. We know them from back home. We had the pleasure of playing with them in Lille on this tour, which was a nice little, uh, you know, Melbourne town reunion. Um But yeah, as to whether there's a specific sound developing in Melbourne or Australia as a whole, I don't think I would necessarily agree with that. Um, I think that there are small pockets of, you know, everything comes in waves. And I feel like, you know, the, the funky sounds a bit hip at the moment. And that's nice. It's cool. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's a emergent culture or anything. It's just that At the moment, there are a few bands kind of starting to make the sound that we make. Um, and that started happening long before us. You know, bands like Karate Boogaloo and the Cactus Channel and the Putbacks and um, Cooking on Three Burners and the Bamboos. You know, there's been super funky instrumental music happening in Melbourne for decades. Um, it's just that people happen to be, you know, interested in, in it outside of Australia at the moment, which we're very grateful for. That's pretty amazing because I think once... The ball is start rolling with a certain sound, with a certain band. It's opens towards some other acts, uh, as as you said. For example, I didn't know any of the other bands you just mentioned, which are definitely gonna dig. 
so I know how is a little bit life on the roads. I've been experienced that, and I always have that. You know, I had uh, recently uh, Cyril from Bongo Joe, which you probably know the label uh, and the studio, and he had this crazy experience. He almost died on stage, like <laughs> an electric shock, but not something to that extreme. But any kind of, you know, coming from Australia all the way to Europe, any kind of crazy stories from from the tour, from from the roads that can pop up into your mind. This one, the one before that, I mean, I hope nobody died. No one's died yet, thankfully. I mean, there's plenty of stuff that happens on the road. A lot of it's just mundane. A lot of it's just sleeping and playing Nintendo Switch and, you know, just us snoring our heads off in the van. But um, something that was a bit of a trial was the last time we came to the UK and Europe, you know, we'd been trying to come here for years and there were several tours that were in the works that never managed to happen because of the pandemic and all of that. So when we were finally able to do it, it was like, it was literally a dream come true. And we undertook the several day journey from Australia to Europe. And we got to Portugal and we played the most amazing festival in Portugal called Paredes de Cura. And it was one of those experiences where we just didn't know what to expect. And we kind of walked out and people were just yelling and it was, there were people there and people cared about it and it was wonderful. And then the next day we played in Luxembourg and Hudson, our percussionist and sometimes drummer, was clearly starting to feel very ill. And uh, I think nobody wanted to acknowledge the possibility that he had COVID, but he did a rat test and sure enough, he had COVID. So it's like we'd been waiting for for years to come out here and do this. And we finally dipped our toes in and it was like show two, Hudson's got COVID. And we just had to kind of navigate that on the fly. And thankfully he was able to, you know, isolate and kick it with a buddy in London until he'd recovered and then just meet us for the rest of the shows. And thankfully the set is somewhat modular in the way that um, some of the pieces can be removed and still make sense. So thankfully we were able to continue playing. Um, but that was an example of these things that just come out of the blue on the road that you just have to navigate. You don't have the luxury of being like, all right, well, that didn't work. We're going home. We'll do it later. It's just like we have to make this work. That, that did mean that last time we were in London, we were uh, Hudson was absent. So tonight will be the first time we played in London as the full five pace, which is very exciting. We get something to see for the fans that they haven't seen last time. They let them in with the positive COVID test. Margaret, well, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't. We couldn't believe it. It's you know, in Melbourne, COVID was taken extremely seriously. Um, it seemed a little different by the time we got to London. It seemed like, yeah, we didn't necessarily have to get into that, but it was an interesting experience. Like, you know, when we'd found out he had COVID, and we we're kind of talking to people at the venue, like fuck, he's got COVID, like, what do we do? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, can he play? Like, there's nothing to do. Don't worry about it. And we were like, oh, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's right. But yeah, I mean, he was too sick to do anything, let alone play music. Yeah, I think in Australia, they took it quite serious. I got some friends and, because in the beginning, it almost didn't arrive to you, you know, like just pass next to you. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about COVID too much. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Any exciting 
releases coming out of College of Knowledge that you'd like to share with us? The next one is a is the collaboration with Coal Mine, Karate Boogaloo, Hold Your Horses. It's going to be a it well, it is a wicked album, and we're very excited to to be putting that that out. There's a few few more releases coming up. Um, that have yet to be scheduled when we get home from a tour. Yeah, that's another thing that we're trying to navigate at the moment is how to maintain a touring schedule and also still run the label. So we've got a lot of great records in the bank that are just sitting there ready to go. We're just kind of trying to find the time to release them properly. Um, Music from the Proteins, music from Let Your Hair Down, uh, music from Henry Jenkins himself, the uh, cr- uh, creative production mastermind bef- behind the whole label. He's got a record that he's made called JNBO and Friends that'll be coming out, and uh, a few other things. But we're just trying to trying to find the time to do it. It's quite challenging, no? Like having a band, running a label, being on the roads. I mean, coming from Australia was like thirty six hours. How long? pretty much like you've been on the roads forever and then the jet lag probably the first gig you were like didn't realize where you were yeah i can't i can't imagine i mean it can be fun but it's always like you know wait until you do it and then you realize like it's not that it's not that easy as it seems uh well that's quite exciting i mean i think having a few more releases coming up on the label because my concern was that you're not gonna stop doing stuff for the label because i really like everything that came out the seven inches the, the the 12 inch everything the yeah i've been really enjoying that and surprise chef still gonna be released on uh college of knowledge or just you just moved house already yeah you know it, it, it's a good question we uh always wanted to maintain you know our mo for college of knowledge is that we always want to be the label for the bands that we feel we can be a good label for. And it was interesting that Surprise Chef was the band that kind of got the deal outside of College of Knowledge that we had to consider because obviously, you know, Jethro and I run the label and we're in the band, but we really had to extricate ourselves from that situation where we couldn't make a decision that was good for the label but not good for the band because we want to look after the label. So when Big Crown came along and they wanted to, to sign us for the whole world, that was the best decision for the band. And it did mean that we kind of had to wave goodbye to to College of Knowledge from Surprise Chef. But it's good in the sense that, you know, the, the whole DIY ethos is wonderful and there's a lot of parts of that that we employ as kind of core values for the label but at the same time as the great bob knob who runs a label in melbourne called hope street recordings told us being in a band's fun and running the label sucks <laughs> and you know it's it's a it's a it's a labor of love but at the end of the day that you know we love making records and we love playing gigs and we love doing all that kind of stuff and if somebody wants to do all the label stuff for our band and we don't have to do it that's a beautiful thing yeah, I think if you don't need to promote your own record, as a, that's a big step. Like I think it's the hardest thing to do in so many ways. I mean, it's one thing to be very passionate about the other artists that you're releasing because you come from a place of like, oh, you got to hear that. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but you also DJ like as a selectors. Uh, 
do you do that quite often? Is that something that you, you enjoy? You wearing, you know, people these days wearing some different hats. You know, you play the guitar, you got a band, you got a label, you select a DJ. But tell me a little bit, a bit more about the DJ experience. We we all kind of DJ DJ weekly. We love collecting records. That we're really really going um, going hard on record shops. We're very excited to get to America to 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 dig. Um, it, it's a very important part of um, us enjoying music as well and finding inspiration to create new music. Um, I certainly like that's that's a big part of our sound is just you know we've we've listened to a lot of records been finding a lot of records and um it's it's awesome we we love it love playing records we should try and book a dj gig in new york yeah i think it's fair to say that um we look at a lot of these different pursuits in music in a holistic way where um participating in music is about hearing the records it's about making the records it's about selling the records. It's about playing the gigs. We kind of tried to do it all. Also, we're very fortunate that um, you know DJing kind of keeps the lights on at home. We kind of DJ to make a crust at home, and it's a really compatible way to make bread as a musician. You know, is there like a nice uh, scene? Because in the UK, a little bit of in, definitely in Japan, but all the listening bars is that something quite strong in Australia as well? There's definitely more and more popping up, like with more of an emphasis on good sound and uh, not necessarily go on there to dance, but but allowing DJs to kind of express the music they want to play, um, and it's sounding sounding good. That's it's it's something that's really taking off, I think, in Melbourne. That's really cool to hear because I know there's few places around the the globe that's kind of focus a bit more about that there's this really nice place in tel aviv called port said which is one turntable you just come you put a record you can put like a whole side of a record sit down have a chat you, you know and flip it to the b side you, you need to be a selector there's no headphones you can't cue anything you just know exactly what you're playing they're actually opening another one in new york so maybe you should go and visit <laughs> while you're there port said port said i should i should link you up yeah. i should definitely link you up Okay, well, it's nearly time for your dinner slash gig tonight. Uh, so thank you so much for taking the time, being on Soho Radio. My voice is slightly bit, a bit different usually. It's a bit <coughs> under the weather. However, uh, I'm DJ Kobayashi, B-Side Session, Soho Radio. Thank you, Surprise Chef. Thanks for having us, mate. Really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Good luck at the gig. Thank you. Well, that was very exciting for me to hear it back now after, after about a month or so since we had that interview and the guys were amazing and the addition uh, element of the percussion, I can't believe they did the gig without him because it was so significant, you know. I I was really blown away. The crowd was like super tuned with the band and yeah i can't wait for the next visit actually in the uk hopefully maybe we can try to get them for a live session it's so radio uh we got about another 30 minutes or so to go uh coming up right up we got uh nicolta conte arise